What's up, y'all? We are back with another edition of the DNVR Rams podcast presented by Chevalier Mortgage. Mike and Virginia Chevalier are not only diehard Broncos fans, they're also proud CSU alums and longtime DNVR members. They're a husband-wife team with over 15 years of financial service experience. Visit them at dnvrmortgage.com and enter to win a free DNVR shirt or hat of your choice when you do. Most importantly, get set up with a free consultation to discuss all of your options. That's dnvrmortgage.com. Since your home is likely to be one of your largest assets and your mortgage to be your largest debt, they believe it's vital to consider your full financial picture when purchasing a home. This includes considering your short-term and long-term planning goals, your investments, and your tax situation. Mike and Virginia will work tirelessly to find the best loan for your situation. Visit them at dnvrmortgage.com. Enter to win a free DNVR shirt or hat when you do. More importantly, get set up with a free consultation and discuss all of your options. Guys, I'm telling you, if you're wondering if the rates are as good as you're hearing, you need to call them. These are some incredible rates. Mike and Virginia are there to make refinance, make the entire process as simple as possible, but they know that it's not for everyone. They're going to run a quick analysis and honestly let you know whether refinancing might be the right option for you. Visit dnvrmortgage.com. That's dnvrmortgage.com. Michael Chevalier, NMLS number 1931006. Happy football Saturday, everyone. It was an awesome day of college football. It is Saturday the 10th, late night when I am recording this. And I have to say, I think today was probably the best day of college football we've had so far. There were just a ton of good games. Oklahoma, Texas was absurd. Neither one of those teams are any good, but it was still a ton of fun to watch. Four overtimes, Gus Johnson just going absolutely nuts. There's nothing better than Gus Johnson just going absolutely crazy over a college football game that he's loving. He makes every moment, everything just so exciting. Him and Clatt are a great pair. I'm not a huge Clatt guy. I do think they go well together. There was one moment in particular, though, where they they shanked a field goal. Oh, you shanked a field goal. And Gus Johnson just lost it. He He couldn't think of any words. Just, oh! He missed it. Wow. Just typical Gus Johnson stuff. And at the end, Fox Sports. It was just, it was awesome. I wish he could call every game. That's that's my Gus Johnson take. Really, though, it was it was just awesome in general. LSU Missouri was really, really entertaining. Came down to the last possession, and Missouri was able to come up with a goal line stand, four straight stops at the one yard line. It was really, really impressive. You know, one of the things I talked about before Missouri played Alabama a few weeks back was the way that Eli Drinkwitz used to get those App State teams prepared. You know, they beat South Carolina and North Carolina his final year there. And there was just never a moment where those App State teams ever felt, you know, like punked or outmatched or intimidated. And you certainly didn't see that against the defending national champs over the weekend. LSU's got to figure it out, man. I don't know if they have to fire... Bo Pelini is their DC or or what, but they can't stop anyone, man. It's an absolute mess. They have they have all kinds of talent at the skill position, but you know, how are how are they that bad defensively with that many five-star guys? It doesn't make any sense to me. I'm not pushing the panic button just yet, just because they have so much talent, and I do believe in Ed Oregon, and I'm sure they'll up some upset somebody and and still have a fairly respectable season. 
But I'm not sure that LSU could stop a G5 team right now, so they better figure it out quickly because the SEC looks deep. People are putting up points in a hurry. In a hurry, man. Florida went down to A&M. Dan Mullen talking about how he needs 90,000 fans in the swamp because, of course, you know, typical excuses. I, I will say, I do believe, you know, I believe that the fans make a difference. I believe in home field advantage, so I get what he's saying. <laughs> he uh, He's going to get memed, though, just because of the way he went about it. Alabama Ole Miss was awesome. That game was crazy. Just a ton, a ton of points. I was an idiot for taking the under going in. But I've I've said it on multiple occasions. I'm I'm a big Lane Kiffin fan. I believe in what he's doing there. I think he's gonna make Ole Miss relevant in the SEC again. I get, you know, he's had his moments where it's blown up in his face. I just think he's an example of a guy that's learned from his mistakes. And I'm rooting for him. I just think he's so likable. He's fun on Twitter. He makes all the jokes, you know, he's just a he seems like a dude that would be a blast to cover. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know why people still hate him at this point, I guess. I just think he's fun. I think guys like him are good for college football. Anyways, I, I definitely enjoyed just being able to take in all of these games, especially after a, a really long day on Friday, breaking down everything in that 70-page report. So you don't even have to be a DNVR subscriber. I decided to make it free just because I spent so much time on it. I wanted as many people to be able to look at it as possible. I'm going to talk about that report here in, in, in just a second and a little bit, just kind of talk about, you know, what what happens now, you know, what are my my lasting takeaways, all that stuff. Not going to spend a ton of time on it just because I do think people are probably ready to move on at this point, and I get it. But there there was definitely some some concerning stuff in there. And I pointed it all out in the article. You know, I wrote over 5,000 words between the two. I just don't really understand how... I just don't really understand how you could cover such a such an intense report with like 700 words or, you know, whatever football scoop published the other day where you just copy and paste a couple of quotes and oh, here, that's it. I don't I just don't think that gives enough context. I don't know. It's just it's ironic to me because the the same fans that were pissed at the Colorado in and, you know, people like me and, and claim we don't share enough context, enough information then, you know, like celebrate those type of reports and are like, oh, look, nothing, nothing went wrong. I just, I I don't get that, but that's where we're at. (laughs) You know, it's a weird time to be a a CSU supporter. Ultimately, you know, I I don't expect a lot of major changes to come really, you know, out of either of these investigations, the racial climate or the COVID-19 stuff, especially the COVID-19 stuff. I kind of, I, I just wrote that to me, it seems like maybe what the coaches were saying got slightly misconstrued. Or, you know, maybe they were just potentially, you know, misinterpreted by the audience. Context, connotation, all of that stuff kind of matters. One of the things I mentioned in in my article was, you know, saying we can't afford to miss 14 days or we can't afford to lose guys for 14 days. That's That's a factual statement. You can say that. But I could see where, you know, if that, if that, statement is not delivered correctly that could kind of be interpreted as a threat just like you know we can't afford to miss you guys you know kind of you know implicitly kind of just implying you know don't don't report it because we can't afford to lose you guys but to me it, it doesn't really seem like there was a situation where coaches were threatening ultimately i wasn't there so you know we'll never know it's just a lot of hearsay and 
70 pages of conflicting information, but I will say uh, I, I don't expect a lot of changes to come from that. If if an assistant coach told anybody not to report symptoms, I think they should probably be terminated, but that's probably about it. To me, the the much more concerning stuff was just the the general pattern of a lack of action from the athletic department regarding the racial climate and stuff like that. Seems like multiple players, former coaches, brought stuff to the admin about the women's basketball program, about the football program. Not a lot of action seemed to have happened. Kind of resembles the situation with Eustacey a couple of years back before that ultimately crashed and burned. That was also brought up in the report as well. Based on what Joyce McConnell put out after, I, I don't really expect any changes in the athletic department either. Um, but I just thought that the racial climate aspect was was definitely the the more concerning part of the two investigations. And there was definitely a lot of stuff in there. So to me, uh, you know, this was an example of of journalism working. Everything that was, you know, in those reports was also told to the investigators. I know that, you know, some fans are are frustrated with the media, and that's kind of a part of the process. I just would like to remind everyone, you know, this is this is the type of accountability you need because, you know, athletic departments, whether we like to admit it or not, they don't always do the same the the right things, you know? Look at a school like Baylor. You know, for years there was no accountability inside that athletic department. They kept looking a blind eye. The media wasn't really covering it. And all these horrible things really added up. And I'm not c- comparing CSU to Baylor. I'm just saying, you know, Eventually, over time, you know, that's how those type of cultures are created. You know, a, a, a system of non-compliance and non-reporting and a thing, you know, a system where things get swept under the rug because athletics are the only thing that matter. That's not the type of program we want to be at CSU. As long as I've always followed CSU, you know, fans, CSU fans love to be on their high horse when, when things like that come out about other programs. In the end, you know, I'm I'm glad that CSU did their due diligence and and hired an independent firm to conduct this investigation. I think a lot of people, including myself, were were getting frustrated and, you know, wondering why is this taking so long. Then, you know, once the report came out and we saw how thorough it was, it made a little bit more sense. But I am glad that they investigated and that they they made the the results of that in investigation public. They were transparent through this process. You do have to credit CSU for that part. But this was a necessary investigation, an investigation that needed to happen and probably, you know, wouldn't have happened without the reporting from the guys at the Colorado and without, you know, Miles kind of making himself a pariah in the community and and putting his own neck out there to report this stuff. So, you know, to me, like I said earlier, I think this is an example of journalism doing its job. I think that CSU then responded appropriately. But I also think that that now that the investigation is wrapped up, it's it's definitely time to to increase the media access and and you know allow people to kind of do their jobs again. I understood why that couldn't necessarily happen while the investigation was open, but the investigation's closed. You know we're getting close to the season, and the fans want to focus on football. I want to create content for those fans, but you know also kind of need that opportunity. All right, that's that's probably enough of investigation talk for today. 
We've all talked about it plenty over the last month. So that's probably enough. I just wanted to talk about it briefly. And we are going to talk hoops here in just a second. The Mountain West released the conference slate for all of the teams. So just going to go over CSU's schedule briefly, give everybody an idea of what the Rams conference slate is going to look like. Week four of football is in the books, and now it's time to review the tape and get ready for week five. There's no better place to get in on all of the action than with DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app. To add to the excitement of week five, DraftKings Sportsbook is bringing back their can't-miss offer. If you haven't tried DraftKings Sportsbook yet, head to the App Store now because you don't want to miss this. DraftKings Sportsbook is giving all new users the chance to receive a sign-up bonus of up to one thousand dollars. On top of that great sign-up offer, DraftKings is offering odds boosts on every single Sunday. To help you make it rain. Don't worry though, if football isn't for you, DraftKings is giving all you basketball fans a 200% profit boost on any basketball market once you sign up. DraftKings is safe, reliable, and secure, making it easy for you to deposit and withdraw your money at your convenience. Download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now, use the promo code DNVR when you sign up, and get your sign-up bonus of up to $1,000 with the promo code DNVR when you sign up. Must be 21 or older, Colorado only. Bonus comprised of a first deposit bonus and first bet match, each up to $500. Deposit bonus requires 25 times play through. Restrictions do apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Have a gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. All right, guys, we are going to talk in just a second. Before we do, though, I got to give my DraftKings pick of the week. We've got NFL Sunday coming up tomorrow, and I feel really confident about the Cardinals covering their seven-point spread against the New York Jets. Now, I know that the Cardinals have been a little inconsistent at times, but as I talked about on the Fantasy Football Podcast with Dre and Hank, I'm a believer in Cliff Kingsbury. I'm a believer in Kyler Murray, and at the end of the day, the Jets are just trash. They are absolutely awful. They couldn't even beat a Broncos team that was missing all of their important players. And because of that, I just think there is some value with the Cardinals covering that seven-point spread at minus 110. Maybe parlay it with something else. Get yourself a little bit of more favorable action. I like the Raiders to cover an 11.5-point spread as underdogs against the Chiefs. I like the over in the Minnesota-Seattle game. I like the Cowboys against the Giants in the money line. Not a ton of value there, but if you parlay it, it could be good. Anyways, my DraftKings pick of the week, the Cardinals to cover that seven-point spread against the Jets. Cuckoo, cuckoo. Let's talk a little bit of hoops. The schedules have been released for the women's and men's basketball teams. Going to briefly go over the conference slates for both of them. But I just wanted to give you guys an idea of who the Rams will be taking on on the hardwood for both teams this year. We're going to start with the men's team, who will open up the league portion of the schedule against UNLV. Third time in five years that the Rams will play UNLV in the conference opener. This will actually be the third time in five years that the Rams have opened the league portion of play against UNLV. Most recently, two years ago, the Rebels beat the Rams at the Thomas and Mack Center, 78-76. to Really, really good game. A heartbreaker. I actually will always remember that game because that was when I had my own site, Rams Report. 
I, I tried to throw a watch party at Crazy Carl's for that game. It was like the middle of the week, so maybe not, you know, the best choice. And then the game ended up being like an 8 or a 9 p.m. tip-off. So there were a lot of things working against me. But yeah, the only people that ended up showing up were uh, Jacob, Micah, and a couple of people from Ram Ruckus and my little brother. So that was kind of a humbling experience. Getting back on track, though, that is that is definitely a tough draw for CSU in the first game, Tuesday, December 29th. Not exactly a, not exactly a gimme in their conference opener. I think UNLV will probably be one of the top three or four teams in the conference. From there, it, it only gets more difficult for the Rams. They have to, uh, immediately after the New Year's, start on January 5th, they're going to play at Wyoming. So you start the, start the league slate against UNLV. Then you have to play a rivalry game. Obviously, the Rams are going to be itching for revenge after getting knocked out by the Pokes in Vegas in March. And I'm I'm really looking forward to seeing what both of these teams look like. I don't think there is a a ton of a ton of people really expecting Wyoming to do much. I actually think they're probably going to finish more like eighth or ninth in the league. I don't think they're going to be as bad as everybody expects them to be. I just like some of the pieces they return. I like the staff that they got. And I like some of the guys they were able to bring in from a recruiting perspective. And like I said, from there, it only gets harder because they have to go to Boise State, who I think Boise State and CSU are kind of the sleeper teams in the conference this year. You know, Utah State, San Diego State, those are the front runners and rightfully so. But I think Boise State and CSU are two teams that definitely are capable of, you know, potentially winning the league, but probably just being a thorn in the side of of some of those upper teams. And I'm, I'm really interested to see how CSU is able to start in that three game stretch starting with UNLV at home and then back-to-back road games at Wyoming at Boise State. After the game with the Broncos on January 9th, CSU comes home against Nevada on January 12th before hitting the road again for a matchup with the Lobos down at the pit on January 16th. With the way the schedule worked out last year, CSU actually didn't get a trip to the pit, so I'll be looking forward to that one. After that, The Rams play Air Force at home on the 19th, Fresno State at home on the 23rd. Both of those should be winnable games before one of the toughest games of the season, Tuesday, January 26th at Utah State. Utah State lost a ton of talent, but they're still going to have the best front court in the Mountain West, one of the best front courts in in college basketball. They got Niamis Keita coming back, and they got Justin Bean coming back as well. They've got experience at the guard play. They did lose Abel Porter, who transferred to Ohio State, weirdly enough. But I I have high, high expectations for Utah State. And they're probably the team that I was most disappointed to not get to see a chance to play in the NCAA tournament last year. San Diego State as well, obviously, just given that they were the only undefeated team in the country. I just kind of felt like there was some pressure setting up there for them to get upset. I love the stones that Merrill had. He was so awesome in that Mountain West tournament. I was kind of pulling for them to... Potentially, you know, make a run in the tournament last year. didn't work out that way. This year, they should be really good as well. After traveling to Logan, the home edition of the Border War is on Saturday, January 30th. Always love when they get those games on a Saturday. Just hopefully, you know, they'll be able to have some fans. And by then, who knows what it will look like. That might be wishful thinking. After that, Saturday, Saturday, February 6th, the Rams play the Bulldogs at Fresno State before coming back home short rest Tuesday February 9th the second game with Utah State so that's deceptively kind of a tough little stretch two of the games are winnable with Fresno State on the road and and Wyoming at home but you've got three games in 12 days 
And that's really just going to kind of test this team. That's, you know, about a month into conference play. That's when fatigue kind of starts to set in. That'll be kind of a gut check time. And it only gets harder because then February 13th, they got to go to San Diego State, who, like I said, is probably one of the front runners, even after losing Malachi Flynn. On February 16th, San Jose State comes to Moby Arena. San Jose State deceptively might not be as bad as everybody thinks. February 20th at Air Force, 23rd at Nevada. Another stretch where you have a lot of games in a short time, three games in a week. So definitely going to have to recover fast there. Then you've got the Lobos at home on the 27th before you go back to San Jose State on March 2nd and close out the year or the regular season, I should say, with Boise State at home on March 6th. Overall, I, I don't think this is a brutal conference slate. You get to miss San Diego State. You know, you only have to play them once, I should say. It is on the road, which is a bummer, but Viejas is a dope arena, so that'll be a good experience for the team and a, a good way to test them kind of heading into the league tournament. But, you know, not having to play them twice, that's huge. Usually when you have a situation like that, it's like some bottom feeder, San Jose State or or New Mexico, when they were bad that you only end up playing once. But the Rams looked out in that sense. They only have to play one of the contenders once. You, you still have two, two matchups with Utah State and the rivalry games against Wyoming and UNLV and Boise State and all those. But they did luck out with only having to play the Aztecs once. You know, I'm, I'm obviously going to break all of these games down a, a lot more in depth as we get closer to the season. And, and I'll break down the schedule as a whole as well uh, from a written perspective. But just kind of glancing at the schedule here. To me, there are two five-game stretches that really stand out. And it's it's the opening five, starting with UNLV at Wyoming, at Boise State, home against Nevada, at New Mexico. And the other one is starting on Tuesday, January 26th. You've got at Utah State, home against Wyoming, at Fresno State, home against Utah State, at San Diego State. So those two five-game stretches, I think, are really going to determine where CSU finishes in regards to these standings. I think they're good enough to beat everyone. But, you know, if they can go, you know, eight and two in those 10 games or something like that, they're probably going to set themselves up to potentially, you know, be one of the league winners, especially if they steal a win against Utah State or at VA Haas or something like that. The big thing for the Rams is they can't lose any winnable ones. You've got to beat the Wyomings. You can't lose to San Jose State, Fresno State. You have to secure those. You know, you got to probably at least split the series against Boise. Same goes for Nevada and New Mexico, though it would really, really help if they could sweep those. It's going to be interesting. I think the Rams are, are talented enough to really contend this year. I think it should be a situation where we definitely expect them to win 20 games. Although, you know, we will have to see what their non-conference schedule looks like as well. So I probably should be careful with some of the statements that I put out there, but they, they should be expected to contend this year. Irregardless, though, I am just stoked for the return of college football, college basketball. I need it, folks. I need it. I'm really, really pumped, excited to talk about all of that as we get closer. And obviously, I will. I'm going to have a ton to talk about. It's going to be awesome. After not having any content for months, I'm going to have all kinds of content. Be Before we wrap the show up, though, I did want to go over the women's hoop schedule briefly as well. Um, not going to talk about some of the matchups as much just because I don't know quite as much about the other teams, but the Rams will start the year at, on the road, I should say, on New Year's Eve. They're going to play Nevada, going to start in Reno. What a place to spend New Year's Eve, Reno, Nevada. From there, they will go to the pit for a matchup with the Lobos. Always fun. The Lobos are always one of the contenders. 
And then finally, they get their first home game of the year on Saturday, January 9th, when Air Force comes to Moby Arena. The, the other games at Moby Arena will be Nevada on the 18th, San Jose State on the 27th, Wyoming on February 3rd, San Diego State on February 11th, UNLV on February 13th, Utah State on February 20th, Boise State on February 27th, and New Mexico on March 3rd. In regards to the release of his team's schedule, Ryan Williams said via a press release, it is always exciting to see that league schedule because you get to see what's coming down the line. Our conference is a really competitive league, so it will be we will be ready to compete come December 31st. It's it's obviously been a, a couple of down years for CSU women's hoops. Hopefully the Rams will be able to turn things around. It was a blast, man, that stretch when you know, Ellen and Elon were just dominating. The Rams won four straight when I was in college, just dominated the Mountain West, really. You know, it'd be fun to see them get back to that point. We will be back with more content throughout the week. Thank you to everybody that continues to support DNVR, DNVR Rams, all of the above. You guys make the dreams come true. Much love. I only seem to write when the words, they don't come to me I'm staring at this page and I swear it stares back at me Read between the lines, see the blank and all the happenings It's been 35 and I ain't even wrote like half a thing Rhymes that make sense but more lines that didn't I was walking with my headphones, heavy bumping pivot Simplistic white pages, they dreaming we were famous They say they like the cadence, mark the summers like cicadas And features, those ain't favors, my mood rings an alligator Spit like Vader with the saber, steady kicking it like Prater Staring at white pages it's habitual behavior, check the flavor, that's some sage advice But confidence a great disguise, and certain lines are idolized Like yeah, I'm fine and I don't mind, it's out of sight, it's out of mind And I've been dwelling on my past just to see what I can find Lost and found memories of places I designed And my imagination's different now, but I swear that I